Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker betting show. These are the Royal Ascot previews and this is day one of Royal Ascot, the Tuesday. And I'm your host, George Ellick, and I'm joined by two expert guests to run through the card at Ascot. Uh, Odds Checker's very own tipster, Andy Holding. And joining us is Johnny Ward as well from, from a holiday, from a holiday cabin, I think it's fair to say. Indeed. It turns out we were basically both watching the National in the last week and I just continued, <laughs> yeah. to, continued to party and you went home. <laughs> Yeah, well, I continued the party too long in Belfast after the gig, I must say. I'm feeling fresher today um, after heading to, heading to the night that is called, supposedly, uh, Belfast Premier <coughs> Student Night. Um, and I think I learnt that I should not be going to student nights anymore. Um, <laughs> but, but there we have it. Andy, when was the last time you went clubbing? Um, it's been a while, although I've got a bit of an insight into how raucous those um, Irish student nights be, what might be, given the, the racket they tend to make at places like Limerick on a... <laughs> on a Tuesday Jesus. afternoon, it, it, it's, it's yeah. If, yeah. If, if, if the decibel levels go up um, fairly sharply, anyway, put it that way. That's when I knew I was getting old. Was when like the idea of going to a student day at the races became my idea of Guantanamo Bay, basically, as opposed to something to enjoy. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there we go. I um I found it very funny on Tuesday night when I found out that the the club where this um student night is held at the name of the club is Filthy McNasties. This just seems a bit a bit much, but maybe we'll have the uh, odds checker betting show Christmas party at Filthy McNasty's in Belfast uh, at the end of the year. Absolutely, that a, uh, it'd be a good name for some of the each way thievery we're going to hopefully put up today as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> sounds sounds like a horse to be fair. Uh, anyway, I, we, we digress. We should talk about um, the racing, which is coming at you from Ascot next week. I can't wait. I'm going to be there on Tuesday. Uh, very excited for it as ever, um, Andy. I feel like we could probably take your answer from these podcasts we do every year and, and repeat it. But I'm going to ask you again, because I know you have uh, sage advice when it comes to, to betting at Royal Ascot, when it comes to betting at Ascot generally, and that is looking out for that Ascot form. Yeah, um, I'm I'm going to sort of put in the, the usual caveats before we start. Uh, number one sort of priori- priority that you need to look at is, is Ascot form. Um, it's just worth its weight in gold. It's been proven. Uh, and tested over the years, horses that come here for the first time often get a culture shock. I, I just think it's more to do with the rhythm of the races and the way the, way the races mm. pan out here. I try and avoid front runners like the plague, particularly on the round track. It's very, very difficult to make all the running. You usually get gobbled up in the home straight by horses finishing wide. And you don't get many that make all the running on the straight track either. Obviously, there are the odd exception. You know, you, you look back... And, and there has been, like Ostilio, for instance, made all the running when he won the, the Britannia. Think of uh, Amanda Perrett's made all the running when it won the Royal Hunt Cup. But they're probably on extremes of ground. But by and large, you want to be on hold-up horses that um, finish their races off quite nicely. So even though there are horses that have done good numbers, if they haven't got the run style to coincide with how Ascot should be run, and I tend to look for the horses that are just slightly below them, but they have got that, um, they do come up, they're like deep closers. So those would be my two golden rules. Um, you know, back in Ascot horses, they've got course and distance form, preferably, and back hold up horses on the straight and the round track. Johnny, how's your, your Ascot form normally? Is this a, a meeting you, you tend to be profitable with? Is it a meeting you enjoy? I do. I love Ascot actually, and um, I, it's it's. I know you're going next week. It's uh, definitely something I want to experience at some stage because it's busy. Funny, um, yeah, we. I was on a radio <laughs> show with Michael O'Callaghan uh, the other day, and we've gotten into the habit of doing the radio show remotely, so Zoom calls. And um, but on this occasion, he was actually in Dublin, and I was like, "Oh, what are you doing in Dublin?" He was getting his suit for Royal Ascot, and I was saying, "I mean, is it not the case that like you put all this effort into looking so well, and then after like." 20 minutes, everyone is just partying. And he said pretty much, yeah. But he, he looked well anyway. And he, he has a has an actually fancy for the Commonwealth Cup he has running later in the week as well, which we'll probably get to in our next podcast. Yeah, exactly. That's a reason. Uh, even if you don't enjoy this Tuesday podcast, go and listen to the Wednesday one that we're going to record <coughs> afterwards just for that little uh, nugget there. And Andy, before we get into the racing, um, as is always the case, you know, the going is, is incredibly important. Um, I am geographically, at least, the closest to, to Ascot right now. And it hasn't rained very much um although i have been in belfast previously where, where it was definitely raining um but it it, it and the, the forecast is set pretty fair so is it fair to assume you know, that, that we're not going to see much soft in the going when it gets to next week yeah which, which is good really i mean it's good and bad in in in, in some quarters because 
Um, if you're a fan of Trucham, for instance, then you're probably not going to get to see him once again at his very mm. best. I remember we did the or podcast at all, on maybe. This. Or at all, yeah, exactly. I remember we did the podcast last year. Mm. We were predicting rain on the eve of Gold Cup Day, and of course it didn't come until after Gold Cup Day. So the Friday and the Saturday were run on soft ground, whereas unfortunately uh, Trucham didn't get a chance to um, show his true worth in the Gold Cup with the biggest race of the week. Um, but yeah, the forecast up until certainly mid part of the week anyway. As far as I can see, looking on the weather maps, is for a, a fairly dry period um, with a lot of high pressure and a lot of sunshine. So currently good. They've had the rain, um, but I think that'll probably uh, evaporate quite quickly. And you know, he might have to uh, turn the taps on at some stage just to keep keep uh, the uniformity through the week. I might might get a bit hot in my top hat on on Tuesday. Is that what you're trying to say? I think that's pretty much <laughs> it, yeah. What it's going to be like, yeah. Whatever the weather is like. Yeah, I know. I know. And I'll also look like a fool no matter what the weather is like either. Um, let's get into the racing now. Then this is the Tuesday preview. So we're going to go through the card, all seven races on Tuesday from Ascot. And uh, before we do get it stuck into the previews themselves and get the guys' tips, uh, do download the Odds Checker app for the best prices, bookie offers, free bets, place terms, and of course, Andy's Ascot column straight to the app. Uh, normally it's every morning of racing, but sometimes he treats us uh, with the night before. I'm not sure what the guys have organised with you at the moment, so we'll have to wait and see. But do download the Odds Checker app so you can get all of that straight to your phone uh, ahead of the week's racing. Uh, we're going to kick off then with the Queen Anne, of course, the first race on the Tuesday over a mile. And, uh, well, I mean, is it a good betting heat or is it a, a procession? Baid is the two to seven favourite ahead of Aldari at eight to one. Real World also eight to one. Chindit 14s, Order of Australia 16s, <clears throat> Mother Earth 25s, Lights On 25s, Accental Agent 33 to one, 50 to one, Happy Power 50 to one, Sabaska. Uh, we are recording this uh, early afternoon on Thursday. So um, Tuesday wise, we should be okay. Uh, a few, a couple will come out, you'd have thought, a couple of days before. Um, and you know the prices will change, of course. But this is where we are at the moment. And Andy, let's talk about Baid. Um, you know we saw some pretty special um, horses last weekend uh, at Epsom. Uh, you know Desert Crown looks to be a, a bit of a superstar, both the first and the second in Tuesday. And Emily Upjohn uh, doing their reputation no harm at all in the Oaks. But in Baid, you have a, a, another horse here that looks like he could be an absolute superstar. Yeah, it's it's really ironic, but we'd only seen him the once, hadn't we? At this time mm. last year, I think he made his mm. debut in the first month of June, and uh, I remember doing the numbers for for him that day and um, um, highlighting to to my subscribers uh, that he, this this fella could be pretty good. Little did I know that four or five <laughs> runs later he was going to be Group One standard. Um, I actually managed only to back him twice as well, which I, I should have made more money out of him, really. But anyway, what do you think? Never, the, the, SPs, SPs have been six to one on debut, then four to six, ten to eleven, two to five, two on twos, four to nine. I, I don't think you've done yourself out of too much. No, no. I, I think the day I, I think the day he when he won second time, when he was ten to eleven. I think there was a bit of sort of seven to four, six to four in the morning. Then that's about the best I got uh, on yeah. him. Um, but yeah, he, he's he's obviously been um, um, catching the eye of everyone. He's just been incredibly. Um, flashing his wins, his time figures are good, and he just seems to be improving with every single run. You know, his, his performance when he won the Lockings was as good as we thought it might be for also having his seasonal debut. Um, and, and I think it's more lack of opposition in this category at the moment, which it makes him stand out from the crowd. I mean, we haven't got any um, horses or the, the main sort of horses wanted to take him on just yet. Um, obviously, the three-year-olds might have something to say later on in the season, but you know when he's taking on the older horses, there isn't that many around. I mean, you know, you're looking at real world as his only real danger, and he pushed him aside quite readily in the lock-ins. I think real world will be in the frame, and I think the fact that Godolphin are only running him, and they're not going to run Master of the Seas, who was nominated as this uh, as this race after he won at Newmarket, I think tells you all you need to know. I think real world will certainly acquit himself well because he, he he likes the track as he proved when he won the Royal Hunt Cup. But Aldari, I think, will sidestep the meeting, probably more on ground ground um, um, front than anything else. And then you're looking at the likes of Chindi and even Accidental Angel, really, to to uh, roll back the ears and run in the frame. I think if you mm. are going to have a bet in this race, you're backing something each way, you're not necessarily going to be looking at, oh, yes, I'm definitely looking at the win part of the bet. The only angle you can have is if you had a bet now on something each way and put in some each way multiples, is hope that there are uh, less than eight runners on the day, which potentially there could be. A lot depends what which one Aiden runs out of 
Order of Australia or Mother Earth, or even mm. what Sir Michael Stout does with Lights On, because she's 20 to 1 to win this race, yet she's only 5 to 1 to win the Duke of Cambridge later on in the week. So it makes sense for her to go there and not take on by eight. So if you take Aldari, one of Aiden's out, and Lights On out, we're only left with seven. So I think that's the quandary that you've got as a as a punter. If you are having an each way bet, you should really do it now if you're going to have one. But mm. you're only really playing for the places rather than genuinely feel as though you're going to beat by eight because. You know, he'll, he'll probably win. There'll be two processions on day one, the raw procession first, and then this one, <laughs> and then this one afterwards. And if you were going to have that each way bet, I mean, who would be the one? You mentioned Real World there, eight to one. Um, so probably a, a short enough price for an each way single where you're really going to be, you know, nicking a couple of pennies rather than anything else. But that's uh, it, chin, yeah. chinned it 14 to one and an accidental agent 33 to one. I think accidental angel could, could be the one that this might pick us some scraps. Um, for instance, if let's say in the perfect utopia on the day, there are eight runners and there will be one or two firms that will be going four places, I guarantee it. He'll mm. be ridden right out the back. He'll be ridden to finish off his race as he often does. And he's actually proven himself this season as good as ever. I know the ratings will say that he's got a mountain to climb, but he probably hasn't got that much to find with the likes of Real World to Busker and Chindit if you take by it out of the equation. I mean, he, he charged down the other day in, in the... Uh, in the um, the Victoria Cup over a distance mm. that was too short for him. So he loves it here at, at Ascot. He's got a bundle load of Ascot form. And as I said, he'll be finishing off his race to good effect. So he could easily like sneak into third or fourth. So um, we'll, we'll just see how many runners we get before um, we, we do any um, big decision-making. And, uh, yeah, accidental agent, winner of the race, what, back in 2018 as well? Um, yeah, yeah. A fair, a fair while ago, but uh, maybe worth chancing at a big price. And, and as Andy says, if if a few do come out and, and there are seven runners, um, most firms will be going two places. But if you have your bet now before final decks, you would, of course, keep your three. So that's why it could be worth playing before some of those do come out. Um, Johnny, how, how do you see this going? Is there any way uh, we can get by he'd beat or is it a play, basically playing for second? No, I can't see how he's beaten. I don't think Mother Earth will go uh, in this. I think she'll go on Wednesday. Um, and as Andy says, it might cut up into like a seven-horse race. But for a horse by Sea the Stars out of a King Mambo mare, and I think Kevin Blake has spoken about this cross on Twitter. He's unbelievably fast. Like He really is bred for a good bit mm. further. And it'll be fascinating to see him as a, as a stallion because he, as a, as a Sea the Stars horse, he's so much speed. And he was... All, for all that he didn't want until he was three, he, he was quickly developed into a very good horse and um, I thought he was absolutely spectacular on his comeback run. Um, Mother Earth, as I mentioned, I, I think she'll be ridden differently when she runs later on in the week. Um, she was ridden prominently and faded. I don't think she's going to run here, but he was just spectacular and he's just, he just goes through the motions in his races. Um, he's very uncomplicated uh, to ride, obviously. Um, and as Andy mentions, you know, if you're following Ascot form, he has Ascot form and this is a no bet race for me. Just watch and enjoy Baid, and uh, yeah, if 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 uh, it's a good start to the week in terms of, I think just a spectacular racehorse, the best miler around. The best miler around, two to seven, can't pick a hole uh, in Baid at all in the opener, the Queen Anne on Tuesday at Ascot. So we'll move on to the Coventry, and this looks to me to be an absolutely stellar Coventry. Uh, I'm excited to hear what Andy has to say about these two at the top of the market because I know they've uh, stacked their form figures, their speed figures, sorry, have stacked up pretty well. Uh, Noble style, three to one favourite, Persian four, seven to two. Uh, then Blackbeard, four to one, Little Big Bear, uh, eight to one, Age of Kings, 10 to one, Royal Scotsman, 12 to one, uh, Bradsell, 12 to one, uh, 16 to one bar. And Andy, I remember back a couple of months ago now uh, after Persian Force's um, win in the, you know, the the first flat race uh, of the season at the Brocklesby, uh, you messaged me saying that horse is, is a freak and, and to basically get on for Ascot. But then, <laughs> just a few weeks later noble style does does what noble style did as well so where, where do you have these two in terms of your, your speed figures as it stands they're virtually inseparable <clears throat> we've got basically a 94 for uh, persian force which is well above average for this time of year um for instance last season we got one horse running <clears throat> a 94 two-year-old wise this is and that was native trial when he won the national stakes nothing else surpassed that even in the jewhurst etc so we're dealing with an above average type of horse, uh, as I said, pre-Royal Ascot. You don't normally get horses as quick as this, so I think I'm quite right to say that um, Persian Force had noble style of freaks because, as I said, 94 and 93, respectively. The one plus thing that we've got about noble style over Persian Force is that he did his 93 at Ascot, uh, albeit mm -hmm. over five furlongs, but he was very strong at the finish. His back-end sectionals are really good, and 
we've already seen that race work out incredibly well, as anticipated. When you get such a high time figure, particularly T-Rolls, you, you, you like to think the form will work out really well. So you look back and you see Wallbank, what he's done subsequently, went to York and won by eight lengths. Redemption time, he's won since. Even mm. the thing of um, um, Paul and Oliver Coles, who finished fourth, Royal Scotsman was Royal devastating Scotsman. next mm. time out. So it's got plenty of depth to back up the numbers. Um, so it's probably advantage Noble style in the sense that he's going to come forward a huge amount from his first run. And he's got Ascot form as well. He's got that run style as well, which will be suited to the track. Mate. Any niggle I've got is with Noble style. I haven't actually backed him as yet. I'd <laughs> rather, fortu- uh, um, rather um, crazily missed him off my list. I've had a few bets for Royal Ascot, but somehow I managed to miss him and uh, he slipped through the net. But I have backed Persian Force. I backed him, I think, a week after he won the Brockles brief mm. for, for both races. And the pretense that I thought, well, I'm going to lose one, but I, I know I'm going to be on the right price at the right one for the right race, whichever way he ends up with. And, of course, the six furlong win last time at, at Newby meant that they were going to, they were going to get down the country route. So they, they stand out like an absolute country mile from the rest. They are priced up accordingly. One's 11 to 40, the one's 3 Do you have, one, do you have a blackbeard well behind them? Yeah, bizarrely, even though he won the Marble Hill, his, his time figure was, was an 83, which is um, well below um, the um, the UK horses. In fact, we haven't got too many Irish horses running anywhere near a 90. There's only one that's gone over 90 and a few sort of 89s, 88s. But generally speaking, it, for some reason, the Irish races just haven't been strongly run ones. We've had good winners mm. and there's been quite a lot of the, all of them. You know, Statuaire, Little Big Bear and... and um, uh, this one we're talking about here, the Antarctic and, and um, um, Blackbeard as well. Um, so th- so they're, they're a good bunch, but as of yet, they just haven't been in the right race to drag that speed figure up to the the likes of um, Persian, Persian Force and Noble Style. So it's hard for me to to back a Blackbeard knowing that he's got to improve a huge amount, in my opinion, to beat the other two. I think the, 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 if I was going to nominate one at a big, big price that has done a big number that might be underestimated, it's Rousing Encore from Richard Fahey's stable. He beat a filly of John Quinn's, Breeze, who was very good on the numbers first time out at Weatherby. He beat, she beat a horse called Commander Straker, who went on to win next time out at Bath uh, in very easily fashion. And um, they were devastated. He got beat the other day. She got beat at Pontefract. She went off three on and this thing blew it out of the water completely. Did a really big number. Um, so he hasn't got that much to find, um, rousing uh, encore. I think, I think he's quite a smart horse. But I back Persian Force, so I'm stuck with him. I might back Noble Style on the day as a cover bet, but I, I'd expect one of those two that, to win, certainly based on the time figures. Rousing encore, best price, 20 to 1. Um, can I ask you, I'll ask Johnny for, for his thoughts, but in the meantime, can you find me what, what number um, scholarship did for, for Clive Cox on debut? Uh, uh, 83, 83, 84, something like that. Okay, interesting. Not good enough. Uh, I, can Johnny... literally go, I can literally go down the whole list and say exactly <laughs> no. what they've done, but that would just bore everyone senseless. Well, I mean, it'd probably be quite handy, but uh, but I, I agree. It doesn't make for the best audio and video content. Um, Johnny, how do you see the uh, the commentary? I think it's one of the races of the meet, to be honest. Um, I'm just yeah. looking at Edna O'Brien's stats for his two-year-olds on turf this year, 52%. Um, he's been incredibly good with his two-year-olds, and a lot of them, obviously, they're kind of... Um, Read by the likes of Noni Never, like you have here, some other new stallions that he has as well. Um, not so many Galileo horses running yet, so he has the sort of flashier type like Age, Age of Kings was by Kingman. Um, Blackbird has done nothing wrong, but I really like Little Big Bear, and I think he's a certainty to improve the trip. Um, I, 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 I suppose the way Eddie was talking, his speed figure probably wasn't great at Nace, but he's way more in hand than you know, that mm-hmm. looked the case at the time. He just he basically cruised through the race. He was back as if he was out of the question. He's a certainty to improve for another furlong. And uh, he just travels like a very good horse. He's bred to, or he's built just to improve with time. I'm interested as well that Alexis Orba, who was second, Joseph O'Brien thinks a lot of. Um, he was actually behind Blackbeard, but got closer to him the time before. And Little Big Bear is an each-way pricer for a trainer who's won like yeah. three of the last 10 renewals, give or take. As I say, he's... He's built to improve, fine, fine, big horse, travels so strongly in these races. And I think there's definitely more there. I like the way he did the second time compared to the first time. And I think what you say, he's eight to one. So he'll definitely do for me, Trey. I'm, I'm not not guaranteed he's going to be ridden by Ryan Moore or whatever, but uh, I think he'd run a big race one way or the other. He's done two really good numbers, actually. Very solid, 85, 86. So he's, he's up there with the very best of the Irish um, with more to come. Uh, do you think Johnny, he'll split the two apart? Uh, I know he's got, 
all the horses to run in the Windsor Castle and the Norfolk. But do you think one of these will, will stay over five and, 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 and one of them will represent him in, in, in the six furlong race? Yeah, it's definitely possible. And I, I don't think I don't think um dropping back to five furlongs would be really an issue or five furlongs would be an issue for him. Blackbeard as well looked very pacey at the curve the last time. That is a slight concern about these. Aiden and Joseph as, as well have a lot of horses double entered. So I'm kind of hoping a little bit. But I think he did say sort of after an ace that this is likely where he'd go. But um, I wouldn't be entirely up to speed with plans. But I hope he goes here anyway. You could obviously see them split. Little Big Bear, eight to one, best price with William Hill, um, as short as six to one elsewhere. The one there for Johnny, um, with a caveat that Blackbeard and Little Big Bear, both Fred and O'Brien, uh, might not both be taking up their their entries here uh, come the day. Uh, and Andy, you also had um, not to to give the you know give the secrets away, but you did you had a decent figure for the the horse that Persian Force beat second time, didn't you? In uh, Andrew Boulding's uh, Hogguin, is that right? Yeah, Holgoon did an 88 first time out, uh, but Persian Force, you know, just toyed with him, didn't he, at Newbury? Mm. Um, I mean, the, the Newbury figure wasn't anything because they just didn't go a gallop, but it, it proved that Persian yeah. Force has got a bit of everything. If the pace is strong from start to finish, he, he can cruise and he can sit and he can pounce and he can quicken. And if they go slow, he's got the turn of foot as well. He's, he's just a very, very good horse. I think Richard Hanna's been on record, said he's the best he's ever had at this stage. And, you know, he's had Canford Clips and... Mm. You know, a lot of really good horses that come here to Royal Ascot, but I don't think he's got, got one as better as this. But certainly, as I've seen, like I say, just a freakish time figure that first time. I, mean, I could, literally could not believe what he'd done. It was almost like, you know, mind-numbing it was. Um, mm. uh, so, yeah, let, let's let's see how, we, how good he is. So, at the prices right now, Noble Style or Persian Force, who would you be siding with 3-1, 7-2? I'd, I'd probably go. I'm not going to contradict myself, but I'd probably go noble for a noble style at the prices at the moment because I've already obviously I've already backed the other one, so it's, I'm kind of like leaning <laughs> leaning towards a noble style at the prices. Plus, like I said, the fact that he's got Ascot form in the bag. Look, they're both very good. It's just almost impossible to split them. They're just so far ahead of the rest that um, yeah, I'll be I'll be amazed unless the draw plays. Havoc with one of them, like say, there's a maximum field of twenty. One's drawn one, and he gets drawn on the wrong side. But if they if the, if there's no draw bias and they're actually kind of like racing next to each other where the speed is, yeah, I'll be surprised if one of them doesn't win. Have you ever put up a reverse forecast in your uh, column before? No, never. No, first no. time for everything, Andy. First time for everything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we'll move on to the third race on the card. It is the King Stand, and Golden Powell is the nine to four favourite ahead of uh, Nature Strip at three to one. Twilight Calls nine to one, Man of Promise, and Kings Lynn both fourteen to one. Uh, Moon Yester sixteen to one, uh, twenty to one. Pontos and Kadim and Winter Power as well twenty five to one. Bar those, and you know, we've seen Golden Powell come over this way uh, twice. Um, was beaten, touched off by the Learjet. Uh, a couple of years ago, back in 2020, and then uh, didn't run a great race at all at, at York, finishing five lengths behind uh, Winter Power um, in the the Witten Bassett. Sorry, in the Nunthorpe. Um, Johnny, we'll, we'll come to you first here, and then of course the second in is is the Australian horse make, making its first uh, Ascot appearance. And you know these races, I guess, are quite difficult to to call when you've got um, you know the the only UK form effectively getting nine to one or bigger. Yeah, just just so much prestige to it. It's great to see. We don't see that much where you have these horses come over, and Wesley Ward just loves Royal Ascot. Um, mm. You know, as Andy says, it's hard to make the run in here, and obviously his his record when he comes over is okay. It's patchy, like so. Um, we'll, we'll, I wouldn't be backing him at nine to four. I mean, I'm I'm not going to lie. This isn't a race I'd be getting involved in. I, I'm not I'm not sure I can compare the form of of one yeah. continent to the other. Um, but Munista, um, you know, she's been a hell of a connection for hell of a servant for connections and she just keeps running so well and um, I think this, the, the really strong pace she'll be able to lie up and really strong over this trip in the closing stages probably more so than six furlongs I think she'll run well but it, it's definitely not a race I'd be getting heavily involved in Andy probably would have a better idea I mean Esther 16 to 1 as I say Andy um, yeah potentially this is one of my better betting races of the of the day um, just based on the fact that I think the market has gone do lally over the front two in the market. Mm. Uh, I mean, Golden Pal has just got the run style that you just do want not want anything to do with it. Ascot. Um, I mean, Batash was a was good enough to get away with it once, but he got found out um, a, a couple of times at Ascot um, mm. when he went too fast. You just don't see the trip out, and 
to my eyes, Golden Pal, he's all speed. And of course, you know, Wesley Ward's going to come out and say he's the fastest horse he's ever. Of course he is, because he runs on flat tracks in America where, you know, a place like Keeneland, you can just get away and, and you're gone. But Ascot's a different ball game. He, he, he couldn't get away with them at York, and that's the flattest track that we've got mm. uh, in the Nunthorpe. So, I mean, I think Ascot will just eat him alive. Um, he wouldn't be for me at two to one. He wouldn't be for me at any price, to be perfectly honest. Um, Nature Strip's a difficult one to, to quantify as well. I mean, he's got no, obviously, he hasn't run outside of his um, native, native land. So, I'm not sure what he's going to do face with a stiff uphill climb for, for two furlongs. Um, and it's, it's hard to put, like I say, a number on him. I've got no, at least with, you know, Golden Pal, I've seen him run and got some figures. So, you know roughly where you are with him, but you don't mm. know how good or or not so good nature, nature, nature strip is. He's just going on again, hype, and because he's an Australian horse, there's that sort of like mystique surrounding him, like it was the, the good mare that won here, you know, four or five years ago. 20 wins and 37 starts is a you yeah. know, d- decent record yeah. for a... Absolutely. You know. Look, total respect to him. You know, I've seen his videos and I've, I've watched how, you know, he goes about his work. He's he's good, but he's just impossible to to um, mm. to put a, put a figure on and know how good he is compared to the UK horses. So, I'm just going to completely bet this race as if they don't exist um, and, and just concentrate on what I do know. And what I do know is that there are two horses in this race who've both got good ascot form that come out really well on the numbers and are hold-up horses that like a strong pace. And I think one of them will definitely be there or thereabouts at the finish. So I'll probably have two each way bets here. One of them is Moonista, the horse that Johnny's mentioned. I've got a massive amount of time for Jack Davidson and this mare, the way he's campaigned it. If you stopped the video a furlong out in last year's Commonwealth Cup you, and you didn't know anything else, you'd say, oh, the, the horse in the green wins. Uh, she was literally running away, but stiff six furlongs on heavy ground, as it turned out, she just got found out. Plus the fact she was drawn one. If you go back and look at the draw last year, um, the first five home were all drawn high, near side high. She had to use up a lot of petrol from store one just to even get competitive. So the fact that she got there swinging just tells you how good she is. Um, and a f- three runs this season, she ran over six furlongs first time out behind Power Under Me. Again, the draw beat her. Probably needed the run as well, over six. She then got drawn the wrong side in a seven-runner race at Nace, where Geocentric uh, and uh, Romantic Proposal were drawn one and two, and they were they raced on the far side rail. And unfortunately, Oshino decided to track the other four down the near side. It was only in the last mm. hundred yards. He, he suddenly thought, oh, damn it, I'm in the wrong place here. Uh, but the right the die was cast, and then he ran last time out in the the Greenlands, which is the best six furlong Irish race certainly in the early part of the season. He got beat by Brad the Brief, but he battered a case. So she she battered a case of you. It was obviously you know an Abbey winner, four lengths back in third. Again, she travelled like the wrath of God. She just didn't quite see it out over six, but she's all about speed. She. Five furlongs when they go a million is going to suit her down to the ground. If she gets drawn well in and around the speed, and there's plenty of speed, obviously, with Golden Pal, mm. that it'll just be ideal. She'll just sit in behind, sit in behind. And because she stays further and she's got Ascot form as well over further, um, I can see her running a huge race and certainly outrunning her odds. And the other one is Kings Lynn, who should have won this race last year. He was coming with a, a withering run up the stand rail, but unfortunately he ran it into, in, into traffic problems. Um, and he ended up finishing seventh, but I think he would have won with a clear run. I think everyone uh, universally um, agreed to that. And he's done nothing wrong so far this season. Um, he won well enough last time. And a Haydock, again, a track that probably isn't quite, it, it, it plays into his strengths as well. Ascot, third in the, in the Wokingham, so we know he stays further. Um, he's going to have a massive, massive say in the, in the outcome as well. It'd be lovely for the Queen as well, wouldn't it? If, um, yeah. Uh, this horse finally gets his due reward. So my two each way bets here against the field, and I'm hoping that on the day they're somewhere near the price as they are now, even with four and five places on offer, would be Kings Lynn and Mooney um, stuff. Do, do you think they will be? I mean, you say you, you hope that they're, the, that they're those prices now. Do you think, given you think the market has got the top two far too short, would it not correct itself? Is it not worth backing them now? Or would you sit I, tight? Yeah, I think I'd rather go, let's say... Manista 16s, I'd rather take 12, 14 to 1 with five places yeah. than take 16 with three. I, mean, I think mathematically that that makes sense. Uh, and, and the same with Kings Lynn, really. I'd rather bet the extra two places on the day because there's bound to be five places about. There always is. There always some firms that will mm. offer crazy value. Um, 
whether he can get on or not is, is a different ball game. But um, it, it'll be there. In the, it'll be there if, if you have got that um, luxury. Um, but yeah, I'd rather yeah, I'd rather go ten and twelve to one on the day with the four or five places than what they are now. But like I say, each man to themselves. If you listen to the podcast now, and you want to get the prices. They're there for you to take. It'd be it'd be a good time for Jack to have his first UK winner as well. Um, but as Andy says, mm-hmm. he's a promising trainer. Um, I know him quite well, and he's building his operation. Uh, he's had a very very good season so far, and um, she's just so reliable as well. She just never lets you down that horse as long as she gets her conditions. And I think he's going to run a big race. Double. Uh, double one there for, for Muniesta, as we say, 16 to 1 with 365 Hills and Coral uh, as it stands. All firms are currently uh, fifth to three, uh, but as Andy says, sure to be more places on offer on Tuesday. Check the odds checker app and you'll see there who is sticking their neck out and giving you four, maybe five places, maybe even six. Who knows? Depends on the field size. Uh, on then to the St. James Palace stakes and uh, Corobus is 2 1, pretty sure. The Baid Corobus uh, double will be fairly popular with some uh, on the day on Tuesday. Uh, my Prospero nine to two, Maldrum eight to one, uh, the Mighty Ulysses twenty to one, New Energy twenty to one, twenty five to one. Bar those, and Johnny. I came to you first last time uh, to ask you about two horses that you know we haven't seen too much of. So I'll give you first run here again. Uh, and Corobus, you know, we mentioned maybe a procession for Baid in the first. Is there any? Um, yeah, can you pick any holes in in the two on here uh, on Corobus going and winning the St James's Palace Stakes? He he wouldn't be for me. I I am again interested here what Andy meant at the Guineas, but um, I just didn't think it was a vintage Guineas. I mean Luxembourg is clearly a mile and a half horse. He, yeah. So much went wrong, and he possibly could have run the race. We saw a native trail at the Curra. I wasn't impressed at all with him. Obviously, like when he won at the Curra, New Energy, who's likely reopposing uh, or taking on the others here. Um, he was a big price. He was fairly exposed, finished second. Um, obviously, the second favourite, um, Buckaroo, didn't perform at all. And he and he was still struggling to win. So I'm, I'm not sure at all about uh, the, 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 the class of these horses. I'm interested here. Aidan O'Brien has two runners, or two potential runners in this race. Um, one of them, uh, the Acropolis, I presume he's not going to run. He disappointed uh, in France and he's... He's a lot on anyway. But this ACAL is very interesting. If you look, he, he clashed with Kerbis last year at Newmarket. He missed the break. Um, he ran quite green, but he stayed at it for pressure. He didn't finish his season running very well, um, and that was on bad ground. But he's a Galileo horse. who was actually relatively precocious at two. Jamie Heffernan spoke very highly of him after he won his maiden. And he doesn't have that much to find. If he has made a bit of progress, and I'm not, I'm not saying for certain he's going to run here, but I imagine if Aiden won something, this would be the horse. And I think he's 33 to 1. If he could close the gap in Kerbis, who to me has beaten a, a, a moderate bunch of classic horses, I think he's totally come in under the radar because he hasn't been seen, obviously, since his two-year-old mm. days. For me, he's very interesting each way. Yeah, Ikal 33 to 1 across the board. Um, Andy, we heard Johnny there saying that he's not so sure about the Guineas form. Uh, how, what do you make of that? Yeah, I'd, I'd go along with that, certainly based on time figures. Anyway, it was it was disappointingly low, considering visually it looked to be a reasonably well-run race. Um, I think it only worked out about an 80, 93 or 94, which is good, but it's nothing you know, that would set my pulses racing. Yeah, the very good ones would be doing 100s, 101s, 102s. Um, plus the fact that Native Trail was probably the moral winner of the race. He got drawn on the wrong side. I think he was the best horse on the day. Uh, but Caribus had the luxury of uh, running on the faster strip down the middle. He was a good, he was a good winner on the day, Caribus. But yeah, there's just something about the Guineas I'm not absolutely totally convinced by. Um, more to the point that the four times that Caribus has run, they've all been at Newmarket, either on the July track or the, the Rally Mile. So he's yet to go round a bend, um, which is a little bit of a concern as well, if you're thinking of taking two on or two to five. Um, I, I think William Haggis has got the key to this race. Um, he's got two very, very special talents here. I think Mal Jim is the most talented of the two. I'm not sure whether he's going to run. Looking at the Betfair markets this morning, mm. uh, there's nothing on the right-hand side. He's at the six, sort of 16 to 1, which suggests to me that perhaps Connections are just going to run the one and leave leave the other one at home. It's a real shame if he doesn't run Mal Jim, because Mal Jim, like I say, is an extreme talent. Um, the day when he won at Kempton on the old weather, we got him doing an unbelievable time figure. It was almost like, what what the hell's this? <laughs> um, and then he went to Germany. I was having to back him over in the UK. But of course, he went to Germany and he won the German derby, but uh, the German 2000 Guineas. Again, in unbelievable fashion. If you got a chance to watch that video back on YouTube, you wouldn't believe he managed to win from where he was. He missed the break by about five lengths and he still had loads to do, like two out. And then he showed him an amazing turn of foot to get up, win going away. Um, I personally, I think he's the better of the two, but 
if he doesn't run, then my Pospero is going to be more than adequate substitute. I mean, he was good when he won at Sandown. Again, time figure-wise, it was a, a, a very, very good effort. And the winner that Heron Stakes has, has got a really good record um, in um, in the in the St James's Palace. And John Gosden's won it twice before with similar types of run at Sandown prior to coming in here. And you know, when you run a run, a, run over a stiff mile like Sandown, it's on the collar for the last three and a half furlongs. You know, you've got something that that really does get his head down and go up the hill. So I'd I'd, I'd sooner be with Prospero, Stroke, Malju uh, if. If they both run, I'll, I'll back them both. But if if one of them just runs on its own, then given the way they're likely to bet, the representative of William Haggis, let's say, will be in the all the all time each way bet for nothing. Maljim currently eight to one uh, with Skybet Hills and Coral. Uh, my my Prospero nine to two with both. And again, Andy, would you would you suggest waiting until the day and just backing whoever turns up rather than fiddling around now? I think so. Yeah, it's too much of a risk. Like I say, with that slight drift this morning about Maljim. The, the, the alarm bells are ringing uh, for me with that one. Um, I did actually try to get a little bit out of one of the stable representatives yesterday, and, it, and he was a little bit unsure, a little bit guarded, let's say. So um, <laughs> He knows you. Yeah, <laughs> he, he, he didn't want to say too much just in case, yeah. Um, so <laughs> I'd rather wait for the day. Um, but yeah, needless to say, I won't be back in the favourite. I'll be back in one of the William Haggis horses each way, or both if they run. My, my Prospero, yeah, 92, Mile Dream, 8 to 1 there. Um, both guys looking to take on Corobus in the St. James Palace Stakes um, with a, a couple of each way bets against the odds on favourite. So we'll move on now to the Ascot Stakes in a very interesting renewal. This is uh, Bring on the Night, 5 to 1 favourite, head of Pied Piper, 7 to 1. No, this isn't a Cheltenham preview. Uh, Arcadian Sunrise, 9 to 1. Coltrane, 10 to 1. Goshen, 10 to 1, a horse with no name, 10 to 1, uh, Marshall Plan, 10 to 1, 16 to 1, bar those. And Andy, I mean, it's how do you pick apart this? Because you're, you're basically talking about, you know, horses we've seen racing in high class national hunt races, running off a mark that was, you know, from, from our basically archived form. You've got Bring on the Night running off a mark of 93 after a run over in France for Andre Fabre. You've got Pied Piper running off his flat mark. Goshen as well, what is it, 87? Um, have you, is, is there one that you think from that group is best set to, to, to go well here or are you looking to take on one of the um, you know the less flashy names from that, that sphere? Well, it's pretty clear to me anyway, it's certainly in the last sort of decade or so, or even further back than that, that you only want to look at National Hunt trainers to win this race. The flat mm. trainers must be sick of the sight of the, of the raid, Raiders. I mean, William Mullins has won it twice. Um, he probably was unlucky not to win it last year, wasn't he, with was it with MC Maldoon and got traffic problems. And that's the problem yeah. when you've got 20-odd runners on the round track where they don't go much of a gallop and they basically sprint off the home turn. Um, you know, trying to find your way through is a, a little bit problematical. Um, bring on the night. He's an interesting runner. I'm not absolutely convinced looking at him as if he's guaranteed to stay the two and a half miles. Um, he faded last time out over two miles at uh, Punchestown, and you could look at look at it both ways with his run at Cheltenham. You could say, oh, he finished fourth of nine beyond Constitution Hill, but he actually finished last of five, beating 50-odd lengths. Because <laughs> four of them didn't complete, and he, he, only, he only beat the ambulance home. So, um, and I just I just don't see him as an out-and-out. So I actually think the other race would suit him better. He's entered up in the copper horse over mile six. I think that's more of his bag, but but Ryan Moore's jocked up to run here, and you'd have to respect Willie Mullins. It's his only run. He could have run numerous horses from that that yard, I'd, I'd, I'd suspect. Well, uh, I was going to say, do you think because, um, you know, because of his reputation in this race specifically, is that why we're seeing bring on the night top of the market rather than necessarily the, you know, the form of, of, of his Oh, yeah. Run? Yeah, I mean, he's, he, I don't think he's a Thomas Hobson or a, an MCML Doon. Certainly what yeah. I can see, he hasn't, hit the line hard yet. He hasn't come home and thought, oh God, look at that horse. He's an absolute guaranteed stay. He's actually gone the other way every time he's faded. Um, so like I say, unless we see a totally different horse on the flat, he's, he's a hard one to get in love with at the price. Um, so we'd have to respect, like I say, all the, all the other national hunt horses in the race. The market probably has got that factored into their prices. Pied Piper, very interesting run, as we know. Useful on the flat. Uh, ran well in, the, in the, all, all the good grade ones and off, off his mark, he's, he's obviously going to be dangerous for Gordon Elliott. And Gordon Elliott has won one of these races before. I think he won the, um, the Queen Alexandra, didn't he, a few years back with one. Mm. Um, I can't quite remember its name now, but um, he definitely knows what it takes. But the one I quite like here is um, Nicky Henderson's. 
Uh, Vailed, I think, was his last winner, Nicky Henderson, uh, back in 2011. And he's got a horse with no name here who's won both her two starts on the flat so far this season. First time up at Newbury, basically, you know, doing what her uh, lenient handicap marks suggested she would. She got bumped up uh, quite considerably, went to York, and then she beat two York specialists very, very comfortably. I was just a bit concerned that day whether she'd handle the Naismar, but boy, oh boy, did she uh, turn it on in, in, a, in a huge way. The time figure was very good. Her back-end sectionals were good, and she wasn't even fully extended. Uh, so with Buick booked already, she just needs a really good draw on the day to be a factor. So I'd be with a horse with no name. Horse with, yeah, horse with no name, yeah. <laughs> a horse with no name, uh, best price 10 to 1 as it stands at the moment. Uh, Johnny? I really like Beno in this. I was talking to Joseph O'Brien what race he's going to run in because he's a couple of options. He could run in the mile and six race later on. Um, as Andy says, I mean, the stamina for these horses is just none of them is none of them is bred for two and a half miles in the first place. And you're guessing, um, are they going to go that two and a half miles? Even the herders, pipe, pipe for me, the way he races in his races, I'm not even sure he's going to get two and a half miles. And I think. I think most trainers that, that run horses here aren't sure about that, and you just have to take the chance. If you look at the run that he had been all last year in the Queen's Vaz, that was over a mile and six. All he did was stay, stayed on really well. And he's, to me, a horse that would definitely stay two miles, and I think he'd stay a bit further. He didn't really, he was a bit disappointed at the car the last day, but they said there was a ground issue. He was fine on good firm ground here last year. And for me, he will. he's one of the horses that, to me, will improve for this sort of trip. And I'm not sure about bring on the night in terms of stamina. For me, I have serious question marks about him. And even Pied Piper as well. Um, will he get two and a half miles? Like, I... I t- I, to me, he looked an out now two mile herder really, and he's not as herd in days. And uh, th- what does that mean in terms of stepping up and trip here? So I think it's an intriguing race. As I said, Joseph, he has other options that I hope he'd run in that mile and six race to close the car that I'll mention shortly. But I hope no runs here. He's probably going to be top weight. Um, but for me, he will stay. And on that form last year at the, the Queen's Vaz, he's really, really interesting. I think he's around 20 to 1. Uh, yep, he is. Uh, I think you're right about 20 to 1. Um, he is possibly a bit bigger. Um, he's disappeared. 20 to 1 best price. You're right. Yeah. 20 to 1 with Paddy Power and Betfair Sportsbook uh, there for Beno. Um, do we mention Goshen? Do we bother, Johnny? I mean, you know, there's still <laughs> memories. Uh, you know, there, there's no doubting the the obvious ability is there to make a mockery of that mark. But is, um, you know, it is, and, and there is some Ascot form from back in the flat days as well. But is it um, time to move on? Yeah, it'd be great to see. At least he's going the right way anyway in terms of he's going left-handed and yeah. uh, sorry, going right-handed even and he'll be uh, able to uh, hopefully quit himself well. The owner's had a good time but of course as has been uh, well mentioned <laughs> in terms of some moderate flat races um, but uh, he, he adds he, to the mix. He said he, was, he said he was as surprised as anyone else, Johnny. What do you mean? I was, I mean, if, <laughs> I don't think people are doing odds compiling to put in a horse like that by Churchill at 22 to 1 in a seven horse race, but there we are. I would have been happy to be on at any price, but uh, I, Goshen always adds to the drama, if nothing else. Talent wise, he could go well, at least he's going right handed, um, but not for me. He's very much ground related nowadays for me, Goshen. Yeah, I mean, all yeah. his best form at Wincans and Ascot in the middle of winter has been on soft or heavy ground. and. Yeah, he's well under par when he's been on good ground, and you know we're going to think it's going to be good or in good to firm in places. Looking at it on Tuesday, yeah, absolutely. Goshen ten to one, um, one to swerve maybe, unless we see some rain. Yeah. Uh, last two races on the day, we've got the Wolferton followed by the Copper um, Horse Stakes. We'll do the Wolferton now, and Adayeb is the four to one favourite ahead of uh, Mohafeth at six to one. Uh, Shining Blue nine to one, Cadillac ten to one. Uh, Juan Alcano, 12 to 1. Foxtails, 12 to 1, with Raise You and Majestic Dawn as well. Um, plenty more in there, too. But, Andy, I know you've got a strong fancy uh, in the Wolfton. Yeah, I have. I've got a sneaky one at a big price. Um, the ratings suggest that he, he, he hasn't got much of a chance. Um, but I'm a big fan of Johnny Murtis Mashaw, who really sprung to prominence, certainly to me anyway, when he won at the Cora last time out. It was a handicap, very competitive handicap, as all those Cora races are. Um, but he won it with so much panache and, um, you know, his time figure was incredibly good that I, I've got to get with him regardless of of how the, the assessor uh, has um, judged him. I just think there's so much more to come with this lad. And I've got a huge amount of time for Johnny Mert as well, particularly when he brings one over here, as we saw with Great Belief last year, who uh, won the, um, the the good Phillies mile handicap in, in devastating fashion. If he thinks he's got one with a chance, he, he, you know, he... He um he doesn't waste many bullets, 
Um, and it's the only race he can run in as well, because I don't think there's a mile and a quarter handicap for the sort of older horses. So he's got to come here now. I think the the the, um, the conditions of this race have changed in the last few years to make it now a listed race. Um, and I th- certainly think he's up to that standard. Obviously, there's other horses dropping down from Group Twos and Group Threes into this level, such as Adayeb, that um, will obviously get all the headlines and and, and the bookmakers have alert have, have been alert to that with the way they've priced or structured the price of this race. But I do think Mashal is going to be um, not a million miles off this lot, and his current price of twenty-five to one. Certainly for me, anyway, is is way too big. He's basically been priced up the fact that he's a ninety-nine rated horse, when quite clearly he's much much better than that. I think he's at least a hundred and ten horse. Mashal twenty-five to one. Skybet, uh, Bet Victor, uh, Boyle Sports, and a couple of others as well. The one for Andy. Johnny, uh, the eagle-eyed viewers will, will have noticed that you've actually changed location for the Wolverton. You love it so much. So um, give us your give give us your thoughts. Uh, yeah, I'm fascinated by Razio here. I think he's he's really interesting over a mile and two. They've stepped him up to a mile and a half the last couple of runs, and the way he travelled at Curra the last day. I'll mention this race as well later on because I think the runner-up is a very likely race horse at Joseph's who could be going places as well. But he absolutely travelled all over them, and for, even though he's a six-year-old now and he's he's been around a bit, he he looks better than ever. He absolutely bolted up at the end of the season as well. And for me, he's just enjoyed stepping up and trip. But I only uh, going back to a mile and two would be a major issue for him. He's already raised a. 110 now, which doesn't give him a massive amount to find with Adib, and I think he's absolutely fascinating each way here. Joseph has a, a lot of strong runners this week, and I think he's right up there with them. Razy there, a fascinating one. 12 to 1, best price with Paddy's and Betfair Sportsbook for Johnny in the penultimate race on Tuesday. Uh, on to the final race on the card. A couple of horses we've just spoken about ended up here, but unlikely to run in the copper horse. But Cleveland is a 6 to 1 favourite ahead of those aforementioned Bring on the Night and Pied Piper at 12 to 1. Uh, Postaleo also 12 to 1 with Trawlerman. Candleford 14s, Rajinsky 14s with Micromanage and Contact, Spirit Mixer. Uh, Juan de Mantelban and uh, all fourteen to one, sixteen to one. Bar those, uh, Johnny, any fancies in the in the lucky last and on, on day one at Ascot? Well, yeah, I mean Cleveland is obviously interesting. Um, he's obviously gone up a little bit. I thought he sort of had the run of the race at Chester. This might be a little bit tougher, as I mentioned. But no, he could run here. I hope he goes in the two and a half mile race, and um, because I think Joseph O'Brien has a really interesting team here. And I mentioned that race that Okita Sushi ran in at the Curra the last day. He was only having his third start. For him to run as well as he did behind Razio on that occasion was really encouraging. Galileo horse was well fancied for Samoa when he won at Fairy House. He then ran a nice race at Leopardstown. Uh, I think this horse is really, really interesting. He's rated 104. There's surely more there. He's only had three starts. You'd imagine he'd even come on from the Curra as well. Did everything bar beat the winner and beat a good horse in third. A fascinating runner for me. And I hope this will be a good day for Joseph O'Brien. I, I think this horse is knocking each way bet. Knocking each way bets uh, there for Johnny. Uh, Andy, how do you see it? Yeah, I'm fortunate. I think there's only maximum 16 runners for for this race because of where the stalls are, um, which is a little bit of a shame because um, it means that several of the ones that I, I quite like might not get in, particularly a horse called Kemhan, who um, won very well at Newmarket last time out, but he's number 48 in the list. He's got absolutely no chance. He'd almost need this race to be split up to get in. Um, I think Juan de Mantelban's an interesting runner. Kevin Philippart Defoe has had a fantastic season. Mm. Uh, he's really come of age this year. Um, and he was good over a mile and a half here at the at the last meeting, um, 30-odd days ago, um, when he travelled really well in a mile and a half race, got the race won very easily over two hours, had loads in the tank as he hit the line. Um, it looks a natural progression for him to step up to mile six rather than stay in his lane over a mile and a half because I think the probably mile and a half race later on in the week because it always is he's viciously competitive this one probably not so much um certainly give call in the wild a mention as well he's a cnd when he likes it here ascot um he, he actually stays two and a half miles but he's also got plenty of form over a mile and a half he hasn't probably got the speed for a mile and a half so mile six um back in handicap company having run quite well in a group three last time out i think he'll go okay um, and he's sure to get in he's number six on the card so i'm probably going to stick with a couple at least if you're listening to this podcast, they're more likely to run because, like I said, the ones that I've got my eye on um, are probably too far down. So I'll, I'll stick up Call in the Wild and Juan de Mantelban. Juan de Mantelban, 14 to 1. Um, can't find. Call, call in call, the Wind, sorry, not Call, call in the Wind. Yeah, yeah Calling in the Wind, far. 16 to 1. And uh, Okita Sushi, the one for Johnny there, 20 to 1. So a few there at big prices. Uh, before we 
come uh, to a close on this day one Tuesday preview. Just going to have a quick look at the top jockey and top trainer uh, prices here. Um, Hills have prices out for both and for top trainer. We've got Charlie Appleby, two to one favourite ahead of uh, Aidan O'Brien, 11 to four. William Haggis, three to one. John and Thady Gosden, five to one. Uh, Andrew Balding, who came close to, to winning last year, just pipped by the by John Gosden, uh, is 14 to one. So Michael Stout, 20 to one. Uh, Charlie Mark Johnson, 33s. Roger Varian, 33s. Richard Hannon, 33s. Wesley Ward, 100 to one. Andy, any of those catch your catch your eye? I think William Haggis is, is probably a little bit too short. He's obviously got Bayed, which is going to get him off to a great start. So bookmakers are not going to give you any fancy odds about him having having um, a few shorties, which look as though that they, they, you know that they're they're good. But the problem with William Haggis is he's got no two-year-olds at the meeting. And he has, I don't think he's run a two-year-old yet. So. The likes of Godolphin, particularly Aidan O'Brien, are going to pick points up on him all the way through. I mean, Aidan O'Brien's got statuary. He'll have the favourite in the the, um, the Chesham, either Alfred Munnings or the horse that was unlucky at uh, the Curra. And then you chuck in the likes of Little Brown Bear, uh, the Antarctic, Blackbeard. Mm. <clears throat> he, he could pick up against a couple against the head there. And then you look at the strength in depth he's going to have in the handicaps as well. Queen's Vars. He's going to have the favourite in the Gold Cup. Kripsios, who under fast conditions, I think he's the he's the the new kid on the block. So I think I'd probably rather back Aiden O'Brien strike Ryan Moore there. I think if you if you do one or the other, um, then then I don't think you'd be too far wrong. And of course, Ryan Moore is just riding with a huge amount of confidence as well. So, what price is Ryan Moore to be top jockey? So, so Moore's thirteen to eight top jock. Buick yeah. uh, five to two. Uh, Frankie Dottori three to one. Jim Crowley six to one. Uh, James Doyle and Tom Markwin both sixteen to one. Holly Doyle twenties uh, and McDonald twenty fives. Yeah, on balance, I think Ryan Moore's the right the right favourite. Johnny, how do you see these two markets? Top jock and top trainer. I do, yeah, this is a market now. I wouldn't have been heavily involved in, but I I do think Aiden with his two year olds with the the handicap options that he will have, um, and his two year olds have been in such good form. He's able, as Andy said, to spread his horse around a little bit as well in terms of going for the right targets. So if he's eleven to four, I'd probably go for Aiden, and not a bad interest bet to have in the week as well. Eleven to four, Aiden O'Brien, popular selection for both the guys there in the top trainer market as well. Uh, that brings our day one preview to a close. We're about to record day two and day three as well. So do check those out. Do subscribe to the Odds Checker YouTube channel where you can find all of our preview content and plenty more feature content as well. Or you can find all of these previews on any podcast platform as well. Thank you very much to both Johnny and to Andy. Make sure you download the Odds Checker app so you can get Andy's tips straight to the app. Uh, throughout the the racing season, but also during Ascot as well, uh, must read even if just to to get his thoughts um, ahead of of every day's racing too. But you can also find the best prices, bookie offers, free bets, and best place terms as well. Those place terms going to be important all week. Uh, to do enjoy the first day's racing Royal Ascot. Do check out our other previews as well. And most importantly, please do always ensure that you're gambling responsibly.